0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I am excited for this week's um, live. And for those of you watching the replay, great. For those of you listening on the podcast, even better. Thanks for checking in. As always, it's amazing that you spend your time with me here on this. Uh, It's the most valuable thing that you can give to me. So I do not take it for granted and I'm very appreciative and want to express that gratitude to each and every one of you. Um, So, Today, um, we've got a pretty awesome guest on. So quick mess, uh, I guess, quick little story. I was fortunate enough to be invited to a group, uh, like a group Zoom meeting where we got to meet a lot of amazing individuals who are um, really just crushing it in the real estate business. And... From that group, I invited uh, several people to come on board and kind of share their messaging, share what they've learned in the space, because at the end of the day, this group and this podcast are about one thing, helping you get out of your own way in real estate investing. And it's always awesome to see different people sharing different ideas, different ways they've done that, the things they've learned, because as much as we uh, all tend to have expertise in our area, for each of us, it's a, it's a little bit different in what that expertise is. And so um, with that, I'd like to welcome our guest today. How's it going, sir?
1: Uh, it's going fantastic. Thank you for the inv- invitation.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's, uh, let's dive right into it. Um, so for everyone who doesn't know who you are, give them a little bit of background about you, what you've done. Uh, I know when you shared with me some of the, the details, uh, it was pretty interesting about you getting out of your own way. So I'll kind of let you take it from there.
1: Sure. Well, my name's Don Thornton. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a short sale expert. In fact, that my shtick is uh, I'm Don, the short sale guy, because I've been doing this uh, almost exclusively for 20 years. And you know, I anything having to do with short sales, I know we we've been dominating Florida short sales for you know 18, 19 years, and now we're moving our, our business uh, nationwide. We feel like 2023 is going to see a return of a lot of short sales. And I also share what I've learned along the way to get out of my way in the sense of paying too much in taxes and uh, using a strategy that I've used the last couple of years now that is just fantastic about uh, you know, getting, you know, not paying hardly any money to IRS and do it all legally.
0: Yeah. Always best when you can do it legally. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So I want to start with this. Um, you said you're a short sale expert, been doing it for a long time. Uh-huh. Tell me more about that, because, you know, I, I think the general consensus for most people, or at least maybe 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 this is a false belief, which is there aren't any short sales in the last few years just because things have risen so dramatically in pricing that it would make it very difficult for that to happen. But it sounds like that may not be the case. So tell me more about what that looks like for you right now.
1: It is the case. It has been the case uh, here in Florida. Nice. Uh, I tell you, it was weird because when COVID hit, February 2020 was the last full month we had before they closed the, the courts down. And we got 26 houses that, that month. Wow. Uh, so even though it was appreciating very uh, rapidly back in 2020, we still had a ton of short sales. When they shut, when I shut the courts down, I did the forbearance. Then that, that took away any incentive at all for anybody to leave. <laughs> so <Right>. that <laughs> was just an really artificial situation. And then of course, you know, when you take, when you shut foreclosures down nationwide, Anything federal, Fannie, Freddie, uh, USDA, VA, FHA, which is what eighty plus eighty plus percentage of the of the of the market, and you know distressed sellers from that group are no longer there. Those houses are not coming on to the market. Well, of course you're going to have a bubble. You're going to have you know a feeding frenzy, which is exactly what happened. So it's taken a while, but we here in Florida have seen some amazing price drops. I mean, in the last six months, twenty four percent. Uh, wow. Depreciation now, so it's coming down. Why I feel like 2023 is going to be more is because think of how many people overpaid for their houses during this bubble, right? Right. And think about you know um, people who refinanced. I mean, so many people did HELOCs and second mortgages and refinancing in general just to just to get money to invest. And Makes the chickens are going to come home to roost. When that when those when those uh, prices are dropping, more and more people are upside down and we've got high interest rates. The Fed's going to raise the interest rates probably again next month. And, you know, every every time they, an interest rate goes up, it's 10 it's, percent it's of the buyers are priced out. They can't get a mortgage. So, you know, this all these things are going to lead to, you know, prices dropping. And, you know, listen, this our economy is based on consumer spending. Right. It's no longer manufacturing. It's, 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 it's spending. Inflation takes a lot of discretionary income away from homeowners. I don't I mean uh, the general population. And right, when absolutely. Spend, then what happens? Companies stop, you know, th- th- their profits go down. They start cutting back. They start cutting hours. They start laying people off. And then you got people who are getting in trouble and more, you know, uh, prop- prices dropping, people losing their jobs. That's more short sales.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. So um, real quick, because I probably should have done this beforehand, but for anyone who doesn't know what a short sale is, can you kind of just give a brief overview of what that
1: is? Yes. Basically, if you have a homeowner who cannot sell their property for a full payoff of the mortgage because the value is less than the payoff, then the only way they can sell it is to bring cash to the table and make up the difference. So uh, we call them being upside down, underwater. You know, Different slang for that, but, all, but listen, very basically, let's say that you know you can sell your property for $200,000, but you owe two hundred and twenty. dollars That means you are $20,000 upside down and you can't sell it unless the bank gives you uh, a way out, which is what a short sale is. They will let a buyer or a real estate agent or an attorney uh, negotiate with them to allow the property to be sold for a price that they consider as is. And then uh, the buyer buys it, and then the bank will pay all the closing costs, all the commissions, and whatever is left over that's not covered in the closing will be written off and forgiven. That, in a nutshell, is what a short sale is.
0: Perfect. Um, And that's good because, you know, I think – when we look at the market, right. So for those of us who've been doing this for long enough, we understand what that is. Cause we, we went through 2008, 9, 10, when there was, you know, a slew of short sales, but in the last few, few years, I feel like you haven't heard that term nearly as much. So, um, I think it's fascinating to know that they're still out there that, you, you know, you were still buying them obviously, you know, for a short period of time, maybe not as much just because everything was crazy during that. It's a weird time. We're not going to count, count that in, in there, but, um, For those of you listening, I think that the key here from this standpoint is, look, even in markets that are appreciating, there's still opportunity in places like this. And a lot of times, um, and and Don, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, I would say that most people are probably not marketing in that because they don't think it's there, which means there's less competition. So there's actually an opportunity for most investors.
1: Exactly. And that's why we're being aggressive in, in expanding our, our business outside of the U.S. I mean, we are contacting people all the time. And this is part of our outreach is we want to tell you, look, right now you can contract with someone, pay them a lot of money to try to, do, to negotiate. And who knows if they're any good? You know, listen, there's two most people out there negotiate for realtors and they're just trying to get the property sold so the realtor can get his or her commission i'm an investor i'm looking to create a spread where i can make money okay so you've got to be better than just getting it down to what you think the as his prices you're gonna get it down below so in this scenario if we had a property that we know it could sell for two hundred thousand, and if, if they owe 220 we're trying to get it for 170 or 175 right. 180 in that area okay so we're gonna to have to uh Get the bank to agree that the as-is price for the for the property is not 200; it's 170. And that's really—I mean—to use a cliche—that's where you separate the men from the boys. And that's right. what we do. And you know, even though I do have a course, I, I have a course on how to find short sales, how, how to negotiate them. I'm being upfront and telling you that you know I prefer when you find someone who's upside down and their mortgage and wants to sell, bring it to me and we'll joint venture. That way we can both it can be a win win situation and you can focus on what your highest and best use is, which is to get out there and find upside down property. I mean, to find distressed sellers. And when they meet that criteria, you can just say, listen, my partner, Don, he's been doing this for 20 years, helped 3,500 or more uh, homeowners in 20 years of doing short sales, get out from under the foreclosure, save their credit. And then, you know, a better business bureau of A plus since 2004, all the stuff that I can give you and let, let you, let, I want you to talk to my guy and he can right. help you out. And at that point in time, you don't have to worry about doing anything else because we're going to take over. Our machine is going to take over and then we're going to shine a joint venture agreement. And then when we monetize it, then you get paid. So you've got a second income stream that you didn't have before. Leads that you would throw away. Now they're valuable.
0: And that makes total sense. And it's, it's funny that you say that. And I'm happy that you did actually, because I remember um, we got started in real estate in 2008. So right as all that was going on, but I moved out to LA and we were doing marketing there and there was a ton of short sales in LA at the mm-hmm. time, right? It was definitely yeah. a, a ton. And I remember I was new to real estate, like, you know, just getting going. I had no idea how to negotiate. Every time a seller would call me, I'd be terrified. Like, oh my God, what am I going to say? What am I going to do, right? Like, cause just just, you know, it was a, a totally new thing for me. Um, but I remember I met someone very similar to you. They're not doing it anymore. Um, so it's awesome that I now have a resource like you to do that. But mm-hmm. I remember I would just be like, yeah, I, I would probably get two out of every 10 um, leads that I would get was probably a short sale. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea even where to start. But um, right. I think having an expert who already knows the process because Um, I think, you know, if I might say, if I say so, like the process can be kind of complex, right? And not necessarily difficult, but there's just a lot of moving pieces that you have to get in place. You have to get the right authorizations. You have to negotiate not just with a seller, but also sometimes with an agent and then also sometimes with a bank. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's just, there's a lot of different pieces that come in place. And so, Um, I love that you offer that as a service because it's like, hey, you know, I I don't know all these things that I don't know. And and rather than me trying to bumble through and keep 100%, even if I had to give up 50% or whatever the the JV deal is, um, Mm -hmm. we're we're all going to make more because you have that expertise. And I think that's something that um, in my experience in the last few years of real estate, people have been... I guess I use the term greedy. I don't know if that's the, really the right term, but I, I think there's a lot of people that think, "Oh, I'd rather just go with it myself and make everything," mm-hmm. versus bringing in the right partner. But what you don't often realize is that by bringing in the right person, like someone like you who knows this system and can negotiate it, well, instead of getting the house for two, you know, one ninety, which is maybe where you got it, you got it for one seventy. Everyone makes you know makes more at the end of the day, which is a win-win-win. Um, or they want anything good. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Or they might not even get like the bank just, you know, plays right. hardball and they just don't know what the doesn't right things to, to say in the first place.
1: your buttons. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's huge. So, um, okay, cool. And I love, I love that this is a, you know what, I haven't had conversations around short sales in so long. So it's, it's, uh, it's a big, it's very nostalgic in a way almost. <laughs> um, so, okay, that's awesome. So let me ask you this, you know, when you yeah. like, if you were talking to someone right now who's either new new either a newer investor or new to short sales, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what's for you? Is there any sort of criteria that you look at and you say, "Oh man, th- this is this is sort of the the trigger point for this could be a really great deal to bring to you"? Because what I don't want want either someone just to bring you like total crap leads. You're like, "Well, this is not going to do anything." Like, when you look at this, like, what what are some of the, I guess you will say, criteria of you going, "Yeah, this this looks like something we can we can work with and we can make some money on."
1: It's going to be difficult for us to make decent money if it's below a hundred thousand dollars.
0: Okay, perfect.
1: Okay. So I would say one hundred fifty thousand and above is better. Two hundred in the as-is as price. As-is price, yeah. Okay, Two hundred to five hundred thousand is the sweet spot. Okay.
0: You
1: know, but we can do them for one hundred fifty above. Of course, it's just that you know. There's only so much room, right? And you're you're when you're at I mean, don't bring me a shack, okay? You know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and and we have to be realistic, and you need to have realistic expectations as well, because you know the days of being able to go out there and get you know a hundred thousand dollar discount, I mean, they're very rare, if at all. I mean, we don't even try for them anymore, and I'll tell you why, because you can get them and you burn bridges with the bank negotiators. We're in this for the long haul. And so right. we don't, we want them to continue to give us the benefit of the doubt. Okay. So if we stay in that 15 to $25,000 range, then we generally don't miss. The only time that we miss generally is if, if it's like a USD, uh, I mean, sorry, a VA loan where their appraisal value is you just, you're, you're in jail for six months. Okay. Right. And, they, and you can do a value dispute, but if you miss on your value dispute, then you're stuck with that price. And sometimes the, the clock runs out on you, right? So, I mean, we I can't say that we never miss, but we hardly ever miss just because we've gotten so good at knowing exactly what they want. We make the job so easy for the bank's negotiator because remember, that bank negotiator gets paid a commission as well on successful short sales. So- they're interested in it in working, but they got to cover their tushy as well with whoever owns the mortgage, right? Because it's, you know, if you have, you're talking to a, a servicing company, they don't own the mortgage. It's some hedge fund right. or or Fannie or Freddie that own it. They're the ones that make the decision. So that negotiator is putting his or her, her butt on the line, going to say, look, I think we should this should be approved. So if you go there and, and start giving out land or stuff, first of all, they won't, they won't, they won't, they'll reject it. At the servicing right. club, or, or they, they won't go to bat for you right i mean i'm not giving you a little bit of inside baseball here but we're submitting 50 80 page reports that goes over every single possible contingency and it all runs back to this is the as is price and they don't have to research it it's all there for them in a way that they like it we know how they like it and they can say okay they can take that to the uh to the and to the investor and get and get and get get that deal done, so we believe that's why we believe that volume and less greed is better long term to make real real nice money in short sales. That's that's our yeah. philosophy. There's other people out there that, that say you can get, you still get a hundred thousand dollars on these things. I know people I know people out there that sell courses like that. You know, God bless. We just feel this is the best way to do it. And We've been doing it for twenty no, years. I-
0: and, and I think, I think that's absolutely true, right? Like, yeah, maybe back in 2009, 10, you could negotiate a hundred thousand dollars off because the reality was, you know, you, you needed to at that point in time and, and they were desperate to take whatever they could get. Any money was better than no money, but most right. banks aren't in that des- that same desperate position today that they were in then. So, um, and you're, I, I also, I want to point this out too. I think you're right on some of these other courses. And the thing that I find funny is I, I actually, a friend shared a login with me for a course cause he's like, Hey, like, will you watch this and just tell me if this makes sense? And I'm like watching him in the talking and I was like, I could tell just like, it was funny, just based on the wording, when the video was made and all that, this was from like, you know, 2009 or 10. And he's talking about negotiating at that level. And I was like, that's fine back then, but like, good luck today. Or like you said, you burned the bridge. And the reality is in real estate investing, especially this is a very small world. If you're newer to it, you may not think it it might seem huge, but the reality is you, you, you know, I've been doing this for 14 years, right? Um, so not quite as long as you, but long enough to go in and say, at some point, the, the players that, that survive this long, you know, there's only a, a very small number of people that can, can, can continue to do this. And the reason is, is that, like you said, if you burn the relationship, there's nothing else to be had. Sure, you made a quick buck this time, but not in the future. So I think that's, that's hugely important. Cool. Um, So, okay. So I want to, you know, keeping us on track here from a time standpoint too. I know you said you have a way to basically defer capital gains taxes if I'm using the right terminology and it's not a 1031. Is that correct?
1: No, 1031s are dead. (laughs) They're dead. Okay, perfect. Let's talk about that. They will be. Okay. Yeah. So there are two things that you can do uh, that affect directly affect real estate investors for me, because I flip. I don't hold anything long term. Not a buy and hold investor. That means I was getting hit with ordinary income. Okay, so as money All comes in on my flips, then it's, it's considered ordinary income, and you know I make good money at it. So if you're above one hundred sixty-five thousand dollars, you're getting cut. You're going to hit at thirty-two percent, which is so, huge. Because
0: it's never but, about what you make; it's always about what you keep.
1: Exactly, and I, I what drives me crazy is these people say, "Oh, I can expense everything out." like, yeah, you can. You can also play Russian roulette, and eventually the bullet's gonna gonna hit you, and an audit's gonna hit you, and good luck with all those right. expenses that you bogused bogus out, right? So, uh, you know that. But even then, you still pay taxes. I mean, it, only, if you're making nice money, I mean, I'm not talking about a newbie wholesaler here or whoever. I'm talking about people that do well. You know, you're making three, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year. You're, you're, I don't care how many things you expense, you're writing checks. The IRS. Yeah. it's just the way it is i was writing checks and i was as aggressive as anybody okay because it's ordinary income and so 32 percent is of your of your net incomes going out and i was every single year i was doing that i mean my gosh you know when i was making millions a year in, in the short sales back in the, in the, in the well, I call it the great times the great recession <laughs> you know i mean it was just it's just insane the amount of checks i was writing and so i finally wised up and i i, I learned about a, a that I can run my business through a trust, which is called a non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary, spin-through trust. That's a mouthful. What a difference. I mean, I can take 97% of my pre-tax net income, then normally I'd be 32% going to the IRS. I can take the 97%, get it into the trust, where it is any taxes are deferred permanently. And so I can still use that to invest in other things. The money that was going out to, to the IRS is now staying in my trust, and I can put it out there and buy more houses and pay more expenses or whatever. So that was huge. The second thing is now this is- hang, hang on a- one
0: second before you go before you go to the second thing. Say the name of cause that was a mouthful of a of a trust title. Say it one more time and go a little bit slower just because I want people like if because like Look, I've been doing this for a long time. What mm-hmm. you just said, I don't know that I've ever heard of that trust before. I didn't mm-hmm. even know it existed and I've been doing this for a long enough, so I'm guessing that most of the people who are going to be seeing this probably. or listening to probably. this have probably not heard of this. So say it one more time just so we know exactly what it is.
1: Non-grantor irrevocable complex discretionary spendthrift trust.
0: Non-grantor irrevocable complex say it one more time.
1: Discretionary spendthrift trust. Non-grantor, irrevocable, spend. complex, discretionary, spendthrift trust.
0: Are you saying thrift or through?
1: Spend thrift, like thrift. you're thrifty. Okay, perfect. Spend, you spend money thrift, like you're thrifty? Spend gotcha. thrift.
0: Okay, perfect. All right. Okay, so now we understand what that does. It allows us to keep nine. You said ninety-seven percent, which is amazing.
1: You can convert ninety-seven percent of your business. Like, say your LLC. If you're running through an LLC. You can convert ninety-seven percent that biz- that LLC's pre-tax net income, move it into the trust, and the money that goes in the trust is considered passive income. It can be uh taxes on that can be deferred in perpetuity forever. Okay.
0: Okay. Now is this only for real estate folks or is this could this be used for any business?
1: Any business, you just can't use it for W-2. Okay. Perfect. All right. So point
0: number two you were making. Let's keep going. Because this is great.
1: Capital gains. gains, Okay. So I'm not a buy and hold investor. Never wanted to be, but I have a lot of people who, who are. And Anybody that sells an investment property that's been, they've had it for a little, you know, long enough time that it's going to, it's going to trigger a capital gains tax. Okay. So again, it's around 24%, I think right now. So if you sell a multifamily just to keep the numbers easy for a million dollars, okay. Then you're talking Mm -hmm. about a big chunk, $240,000 is going to go out unless you do a 1031 exchange. But boy, those things are tough. Right, because you've got to find you've got to get a con you got to get you got to get a similar property under contract within what forty five to sixty days, right? Yep. And then you've got these days. It. It's difficult. And you got to yeah exactly. And you got to close within six months. Okay. So I I talked to an attorney that all he does is ten thirty one exchanges. I said how what's the percentage that work? And he goes fifty fifty at best. Wow. So, you know, you're going to get. And killed. there's nothing
0: worse than like, yeah, like thinking you're going to be fine and then you get nailed at the end of the day because you, you, you know, you oh, missed exactly. by one day or whatever. And it's, exactly. there's nothing at that point. It's,
1: or what'll happen is you don't, it doesn't completely cover. So you, you're halfway pregnant, you have some of that, but you're still writing a check, you know. Right. So with this trust, when you would, you have your trust by the investment property, or if you already have it. You sell the, the 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 investment property into the trust where you're the trustee, where you have hundred uh, percent power over everything. When it's a when that when the, the property is a is a trust expense, you throw it out, you throw it out there, you can you know list it or however way you want to, whatever your extra strategy is. When you sign that that purchase and sale agreement with the buyer, you're signing as trustee of the whatever trust. Okay. Okay. When that property closes, that money comes in. Let's say with this, with this scenario, $240,000, either roll the dice to the 1031 or you got to pay the piper, right? This way, mm-hmm. the, it comes into your – it's like a normal transaction. It's like the tax isn't, isn't even there because it's going to be deferred forever inside your trust. Okay. So, so that $240,000, you can, again, use for whatever you want for more investments or whatever – you're not paying the IRS on that, and it's perfectly legal. It is complete compliance with IRS code 643.
0: Perfect. IRS code 643. So let me ask you this then. Yes. Um, so let's say that we do this, we set this up, um, and you know, we go through this process. I sell a property, I got the money in. Can I pay myself for the money? Because I know that's a lot of questions, like, okay, you know. Do I am I able to use that money? Do I loan that money yeah. to myself if I need it? Like how how does that work? Because it's all great to defer money and have it in a trust, but if it's not touchable or usable, then or it's uh, very other investments,
1: it's very touchable. It's very usable. Um, I would say that ninety percent of what you need in life, the trust can pay for as an expense, as a trust expense. Okay, it's not like LLCs and S corps and C corps where you can't hardly write anything off. Let me give you an example. Okay, for my primary residence, right? if it's it's a trust property, I'm the trustee. Anything having to do with that property is a trust expense. The trust pays for. Okay. Okay. Minor children, if you have you know their beneficiaries, every you know, school, meals, everything is paid for by the trust. They want to go. They want to go. You know, any kind of culture, any kind of wellness, any medical, it's all paid for. The only thing you can't pay for is like fun. You know, you can't take them to the amusement park. That's not going to pay for that. Everything else is paid for. Okay. So cars, right. I have a car in, you know, in the trust. Gas is paid for trust expense, tire changes, anything. You couldn't write that stuff off. You get mileage. That's it. You know, you know, that's, that's all you can do. Like I said, so the, the surprising thing about this is that honestly, you don't need that much cash with this thing. So but so, how do you, so what do you do if you do need cash? I mean, because it doesn't cover food, fashion, and fun, as we call it. The three Fs, okay? Okay. So how do you get around that? Well, let's go back to that million-dollar property. Let's say you, you uh, sold that into the trust. Well, it's a sold. It's irrevocable trust. You're selling things irrevocably into the trust. You can't pull it back out. It's the trust right. property. That's it, okay? But you're not going to get cash. The trust is not going to pay you a million dollars for that. What's going to happen is the trust will give you paper. It's, like, it's called a demand note but it's, it's like a promissory note without interest so if I do that let's say for example that I had three hundred thousand dollars of financing on that property but I you know it's um, you know whatever whatever value we put on that property and usually what it is is what the price you picked it up at minus depreciation okay because okay. you don't want to create a capital gains event when you sell it in you just want to sell it at cost minus depreciation right. okay so well, let's say there's a three hundred thousand dollars of that that's pure equity. Then the the trust is going to give you a note for that, which you can draw upon whenever you want. So Mm. if I say I want twenty grand, then the trust cuts me a check for twenty thousand. And oh, by the way, that uh, withdrawal is non-taxable. It's not a taxable event. Sweet. So the, the few times that you do need cash, you can pull it from your demand note, and not not taxable. This whole strategy is designed about nothing ever being a taxable event. So it's the most brilliant strategy I've ever heard of in my life. It's it's just it's it's a lot, it's a game changer for investors. Honestly, if you're an investor and you're making money and you're not using this trust, you're an idiot. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> because there's no reason so, not to.
0: So let me ask this. Let, let's let's take a, a an example here. Or yeah. I guess I'm I'm thinking thinking so do Do you have one trust per every project that you do and you have a lot of trusts, or you just have one trust and everything rolls for that single trust? okay mm-hmm. perfect that, yes. And that makes things way easier from that standpoint. Now does this,
1: many, sorry go ahead no go ahead. I was gonna say think of how many people are out there they're paying all that money they have a they have a uh, uh, you know an entity for every property they they have exactly. Exactly. How the accounting and the and, and the recording fee, all that stuff, you don't need that stuff anymore. It's all done through your trust, one tax return, and that's it.
0: Interesting. Now, does yeah. does do you does the does your LLC still come into play? So you still have your yeah. LLC, and your LLC is within the trust, or it's just being sold. Yeah. Like how does how does here's, that work? Like
1: how, you don't need an LLC for investment properties. They're trust properties. The rents come into the trust directly. Those rents, by the way, leases. Passive income, no taxes, deferred forever. Okay. Now, if you're you're going to convert ordinary income, you know, from flips, okay, Mm -hmm. then you need to have an LLC. You know, uh, I'll tell you how it works. I'll be really quick. Okay. I have a I have an S corp, and I had it for you know my I incorporated in 2003, so it's been around a long time. I've ran my business through there. I cannot use this strategy with an S corp, so I just set up an, an LLC. So I made the trust a ninety percent limited partner or member in my LLC. So I have ten percent of the LLC. The trust has ninety percent. Okay. Okay. The assets that I was using to make money in my short sale business, tangible and intangible, because there's it's it's property, but a lot of it's intangible. My know-how, my systems, my strategies, you know, the exactly. reports, everything. Okay. That is all sold to me personally again with paper right no taxable event and then i sell everything into the trust mm. so so now all of my short sell business the assets are owned by the trust so my llc doesn't have any means to make in to make money to generate revenue in my short sell business unless it has access to those assets right right so my trust is going to lease those assets to the LLC. Okay. So what there we're we doing go. here is we are taking, we are, we are adding two major additional expenses for the LLC at tax time. Okay. First thing, let's say, let's say we have a million dollars of pre-tax net income. The IRS will allow uh, 70% of an entity's um, pre-tax net income to be used as a lease payment for those assets. So, if we have a million dollars, we're going to be, we'd be paying $320,000. That's 32% of uh, that's what that's what uh, ordinary income is, right? Right. Like yep. So, we're going to take $700,000 of that. And that's going to be a lease payment for the assets going into the trust. Perfect. So now we've lowered our pre-tax and income down from a million dollars to $320,000, or $300,000, I should say. I'm sorry. Right. Okay, so now that's one. That's an expense for the LLC, right? So that now goes out. We expense that out to the trust. So now we have three hundred thousand dollars left. Well, remember the trust is a ninety percent member of that LLC. It needs to get paid, right? So ninety percent of the remaining three hundred thousand dollars, which is two hundred seventy thousand dollars, is going to go over to the trust as a K one distribution for its ninety percent stake in the LLC. So now we're moving two hundred seventy thousand dollars over. How much is left in the LLC? Thirty thousand dollars. That's yep. what you're going to calculate your taxes on. Perfect. How much? You and pay that dollars
0: And that's perfect too, because now that money you can also use for your your three Fs of hey, I need exactly. to do some things. I got to have exactly. some some things that way.
1: Exactly. And then, in the meantime, brilliant. that that money has come in to the trust. It's a lease payment is passive income for the trust. A K-1 distribution is passive income for the trust. As trustee of the of, of your trust, you have uh, full discretion. Remember I said discretionary trust? Okay, mm-hmm. This is where the discretionary part comes in. According to IRS Code 643, you can declare that money that came in to, to the trust as passive income to be an extraordinary dividend for the trust, to be allocated to the corpus of the trust like we talked about, and as long as it stays there, no taxes, deferred forever, okay? Is that not the most brilliant strategy i ever heard of? If you're flipping, you're covered. If you're fix and flip, you're covered. If you're buying and hold, you're covered because the rents coming in are, are not going to be taxed, not going to pay taxes on them. And when you sell, no capital gains, deferred forever. So you're covered on both ends, flippers and buy and hold.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. So what happens now, you know, let's, uh, you know, a lot of investors I know have families. Can we, you know, essentially I'm thinking about legacy, right? So if I have kids, yes. can I assign this to them at some point in time and it continues on, or does that trigger an event and they're, no, they're going to pay the paper how, down the
1: road? Here's how I'm doing. Okay. Uh, I'm trustee of the, of the trust. My wife is a beneficiary. My two adult children are beneficiaries. My grandson's a beneficiary. Okay. Um, my, when something happens to me, my wife is designated as successor trustee, so she'll take over if something happens to me. All of the assets, all of the money flowing in is for the benefit of the beneficiaries. Okay. The trust pays for almost everything to those, for those beneficiaries, not to them, but for, for on behalf of them. Okay. For example. I paid one hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars of my for my daughter's education, right? Okay, um, I didn't have I'd pay for that with post-tax dollars before I got. But I didn't have a trust, right? right? Now the trust would have paid it as a trust expense. So she needed a car. Awesome. The trust buys the car. She can drive it. You see how that works, and then it just keeps going. Mm-hmm to generation to generation. That's why the Rockefellers, they formed their trust in 1914. They still have it. It's like four or five generations later. And they have like 350 plus uh, Rockefellerites, you know, in their their trust. Right? So that's how
0: it works. This is cool. Awesome. So let me ask you this. Let's say someone's like, wow, this sounds amazing. And you're right. I want to get going. Do they contact you? Or how do I find out? Like, how do I get all this set up?
1: Contact me and uh, I'll Perfect. be glad to, uh, so what you want to do is um, you can just a couple ways. You can, I can give my phone number. I get my email or you can just yeah, go just, to my, whatever
0: website. information you want to give for someone to reach out to you. Cause like I said, this sounds amazing. You know, let, let's figure out how we make this work. So what's yeah. the best way for them to reach you? It's
1: four zero seven nine zero two seven eight two seven. That's my, that's my cell phone. You can text it. There's also, uh, I have a website. It's called, you know, H-T-T-P-S, colon, slash, slash, financial, freedom, the the number four, and the capital U, dot now, dot site, N-O-W dot S-I-T-E, okay? Or you can email me directly. My first name is spelled D-O-H-N, dot, my company name is H as in Harry, B as in boy, fundinginc.com. Either way. Reach out to me. I'd be glad to talk to you about this and go over it in more detail. But um, I can tell you that it's an absolute game changer. Just give me one. Let me give you just one example. Yeah. Uh, In August, I had a a gentleman approach me. He heard about, he saw one of my videos and he was uh, going to sell his business for $7.5 million. Okay. He was going to have to pay $1.7 million in capital gains tax. Because business, you know, you saw, bit. you saw your business, it's capital gains as well, not just investment properties. So we were able to, to get this set up for him. You know, he, um, got the trust and everything. So that $1.75 million not going out, it's in his trust and he's now using it for, to buy other businesses. So he's taking the money that he would have paid the IRS and he's using that to, to do whatever he wants with his investing.
0: It's awesome. Yeah. Great. Got to love. This is, this is, this is why these conversations are awesome, right? Because these are the things that uh, it's like, Hey, it's all fine and dandy to be an entrepreneur and make money and do, you know, do real estate and all that. But you know, at the end of the day, if you're losing a significant chunk to, you know, the government, what's why, why do that? If you don't have to
1: keep your money, don't keep it. You know, you you, it's great to make money. The complaint I hear from a lot of people is that, yeah, I'm making more money by paying more in taxes. That's your choice. <laughs> you, you, you now have a choice. Before, you didn't know. You just assumed that, well, I know rich people don't make don't, – don't, they have all these attorneys. They pay lots of money. You don't – it's not it's, – it's honestly the system is very simple, and it doesn't, it doesn't cost as much money as you think. And uh, from experience, I can tell you that, you know, you saw that example. $1 million from your LLC it's down to $30. And how much are you going to pay on taxes with that, right? So, right. for all intents and purposes, you're almost kind of eliminating taxes in general if you use this system, right? So, is, is a one time investment worth that? It was for me. You make the decision. But, but I think any real estate investor, whether you flip or you hold, you should have it. Oh, I didn't, by the way, I forgot to mention everything in your trust is 100% asset protected. It cannot be sued only if you're doing fraud. But if that's what the spendthrift part of it is. So if it could, if someone tries to sue you, you let them know. By the way, everything here is in a spendthrift trust. You might want to check with your attorney before you do this, and um, or if it gets in front of the judge, the judge will say you toss it. They can't do it. That's the right. asset protection that you get with this. The tax savings is great. It's wonderful, but knowing that you know unless you're committing fraud or criminal activity, you're not going to get sued, or right. if you can get sued, but it won't go anywhere. And so makes that's sense.
0: just it makes problem, sense you know so yeah yeah awesome well everybody uh this has been a great conversation i even i've learned a lot right this is something totally i've never even heard of this before so um i Don, i appreciate you hopping on sharing your knowledge and uh going for everybody else if this sounds like something that's interesting to you definitely reach out to him like i said he gave you all of his contact information so no reason not to and uh don thank you so much for being on truly appreciate it for all of you listening you. watching listening, watching, checking in. Appreciate your time as always. Please make sure to drop a comment and say hello if you're watching the live, if you're listening to this on the podcast. We always appreciate a great review uh, and a five-star rating. At the end of the day, this podcast is totally free and the show is totally free. Um, So we'll be, uh, you know, look, it's free because I want this knowledge to get out there in people's hands. And uh, the best way to do that is for you to share it, let someone know. That's the small payment you can make is leaving us a review or sharing it with a friend. So Don, thank you so much. We'll be talking soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Bye, everybody else. Take it easy. This podcast is sponsored by Three Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, Three Degrees Consulting is your go to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G O, the number three. D is in degrees, C is in consulting.com. Go check them out right now.